Hello, I'm Chris Kreitcho, and this is Neurostation, a show about the Rust programming language and the people who use it. This is a bonus episode. I still make silly mistakes. Before we dive into the show, Parody is back sponsoring the show because they want you to come write Rust with them. Parity is advancing the state of the art in decentralized technology, and they're using Rust to do it. They lean hard on Rust's trifecta of performance, reliability, and productivity. Parity is building cutting-edge tech in areas like WebAssembly and peer-to-peer networking. Two of the larger projects they're working on are Substrate, which is a framework for building blockchains, and Polkadot, a platform which leverages blockchain tech for scaling and interoperability in decentralized systems. So if that sounds interesting and writing Rust for your day job sounds interesting, go check out their jobs at parity.io jobs. So let's get into it. I titled this episode, I Still Make Silly Mistakes. Every time I draft an episode of Neurostation, I start by writing out a script for it, long form, in my preferred markdown editor. Those scripts are what end up in the show notes. I link them every time. When I record the show, I'm reading that script. Usually I'll improvise just a little bit, as I did on this sentence, but I'm reading a script. One of the things I do as I'm putting together the script, though, is include links inline in the script. I do that for two reasons. First, so that anyone who ends up reading the script rather than hearing me or in addition to hearing me speak on the podcast has an easy way to link to the things I'm talking about throughout the episode. And second, so that when I pull that script over into the repository for the show, I can just pull those links out to put them in the show notes. The first part works fine. Pulling the links out for the show notes, though, has been an increasing point of annoyance and frustration. I have to go through and manually pull out each link from the text. That's not a ton of work, but it's repetitive and it's error-prone. Well, repetitive and error-prone is basically the working definition of what software is good at. So I figured, hey, here's a chance to play with a couple data structures I've not spent much time with in Rust, and to get more familiar with the pull-down CMARC crate which, it turns out, has a really nice API for dealing with Markdown and not just for converting it to HTML. You can do lots of things with Markdown documents with pull-down CMARC. As I mentioned back in part one of the Rust 1.31 and 2018 edition news episode, at this point, I default to Rust for these tasks, even though in principle, they're more suitable for a scripting language or something like that, because it takes me about the same amount of time as doing it in a scripting language would, and I enjoy it a lot more, and I find myself a lot less frustrated along the way. So I did what I normally do in these kinds of situations, and I ran cargo new extract MD links for extract markdown links. And then I pulled in the pull down CMARC crate in my cargo.toml and debated whether I wanted to pull in the struct opt crate for command line argument handling. And I decided against it. I figured all I need to be able to do is pass in a single argument, the path to the markdown file, and this is a private tool for my very specific niche problem. This is no problem for me. I've parsed arguments from the command line manually for over a decade, right? Wrong. (laughs) Ah, I whipped up my main function and I started trying to load a test document to start on the link extraction. I figured extracting links would be the meat of this particular little problem. And then I started seeing an error that made no sense to me at all. Stream did not contain valid UTF-8. What? Look, I know this is a valid UTF-8 file, I'm thinking. It's a blog post that currently runs through a Python-powered static site generator. It wouldn't have even successfully published this post if it were not valid UTF-8. And 
the file opens as valid UTF-8 in Visual Studio Code and Sublime Text. And it validates properly as UTF-8 when I dump it into an online UTF-8 validator. Heck, it loads properly if I open a Python REPL and load the exact same path I was passing to my little Rust tool. At this point, as you can probably imagine, I started to feel like I was losing my mind. I did what I always do in these situations and hopped into the Rust Discord channel, and I started asking really basic questions about the things I was seeing. And as an aside, I really recommend that. If you're ever just really stuck, hop into one of the Rust chat communities online. The rest of this story is a great example of why, but the short version is that the Rust community is incredibly helpful and friendly, even for silly problems where the question asker really ought to know better. But we'll get to that. I started describing my problem, and a few other Rust users, especially at Alerka, hope I'm pronouncing that right, these users started asking helpful questions and offering helpful comments about the file I was trying to work with. Like, what's the first byte? So instead of running standard fs read to string, I used standard fs read, which just gives you back a vector of u8, that is a vector of bytes, if it succeeds. It succeeded, which is what I expected, so I dumped the first byte. The response from the chat, that doesn't seem right. What's the second byte? At this point, I just grabbed the first eight bytes the same way and dumped those. Those are definitely not valid Unicode. What's the file? At this point, I just linked directly to the file I was trying to load from my blog source on GitHub. That file starts with different bytes than the bytes your Rust program is reporting. And indeed, it started with the bytes I'd have expected, three hyphens, which are what start a block of YAML metadata for my blog posts. And that last point had me really and truly confused. How in the world could two different people read the same file and get different results? And this, of course, was the key to the whole thing. But I'm getting ahead of myself again. My next step was just to dump the minimal set of code to reproduce this problem straight into a code block in the Rust Discord, along with the actual cargo command I was running and the actual error I was seeing. And then, at Alerica spotted my problem, and it turned out it had nothing at all to do with the file, I thought, or even with Unicode. My problem, as many of you have probably guessed by this point, is that I was opening the wrong file. You see, the first argument to a program is always by convention, the name of the program itself. There's good reason for this. I've linked an interesting discussion in the show notes using this tool, which now works, by the way. And this discussion covers why you might want the same program to be able to be called with different names and do different things in those circumstances. And that's all fine and dandy, except that I was thinking the first argument would be the thing I was passing to the program, the path to the file I wanted to process. Instead, it was, you know, not, and therefore not Unicode, because it was a binary. It was the Rust program I was running. It was extract MD links. Once I grabbed the second argument instead of the first argument, everything just worked exactly the way I expected. So that's what happened technically. That was the bug I ran into. But, and to my mind, this is the actually interesting part of this experience. You may recall my comment when I started talking about this, that I've been doing this, parsing command line arguments for over a decade. And I mean that literally. I first parsed command line arguments manually in Fortran and Java programs back in 2008. This is a quote-unquote rookie mistake. And I laughed really hard at myself when I realized what had happened, because it's such a quote-unquote rookie mistake. But of course, that phrase is really, really misleading. 
Rookie mistake suggests that these kinds of mistakes are specific to rookies, to newcomers to programming. And the reality is that they aren't. I'm not a rookie anymore. I'm a decade in. At least not at this particular thing. Learning how to do iOS apps, definitely I am. But these kinds of things happen to all of us. And these kinds of things are just mistakes that come from unfamiliarity. Being new to programming entirely is one reason you might be unfamiliar something. But just being rusty, no pun intended, is another reason you might be unfamiliar with something. I haven't had to hand parse an argument from the command line in about five or six years, because in the interval, I've been using like something like Python's argparse library, or Commander in Node, or Clap and Structopt in Rust. And what that meant is that it was easy to forget this detail, because I just hadn't had to do it manually for such a long time. So that was the first reminder to me. Everyone makes rookie mistakes because they're not really rookie mistakes. They're unfamiliarity mistakes. And the second good reminder for me was from the feeling of frustration that came out of this, because it reminded me of what it's like to be just starting out, to be a rookie, to be looking at a compiler message that seems like it's trying really hard to be helpful, but which is clearly telling you something that is not exactly the real problem. It's not the root of the problem. Yes, it's true. I was saying that this is not Unicode. The bytes aren't Unicode bytes, but I have no idea why it isn't Unicode. And even when you're a decade along in your career and have generally developed a reasonable set of debugging techniques and intuitions even about why things go wrong, things like this can still be totally mystifying. And this should remind all of us, it certainly reminded me, to be sympathetic to people just getting started, because even things which are totally obvious to us can be really genuinely confusing to newcomers or even to us ourselves with just a little distance from the specific expertise we've developed. More sympathy and more remembering, hey, we all make silly mistakes. And that's my fun story and my pair of takeaways. I hope it's helpful for you, and I hope it's encouraging when inevitably you make your own silly mistakes. Or equally, and perhaps even more importantly, when you see someone else make what seems to you like a silly mistake. Thanks, as always, to this month's $10 or more sponsors. Soren Bremer-Schmidt, Graham Willidall, Benjamin Manns, Matt Rutter, Brian Stitt, Brian McAllister, Evan Stahl, Olushe Shonaya, Nathan Scully, Ryan Osiel, Martin Hushober, Andrew Dirksen, Daniel Collin, Daniel Mason, Dan Abrams, Nick Gidio, Benam Esobode, Scott Moeller, Adam Green, Nicholas Pochet, Alexander Payne, Nick Stevens, Peter Tillemans, Michael McDonald, James Higgins II, Joseph Schrog, Rafe Levine, Chris Palmer, Anthony Deschamps, David Carroll, Jerome Froelich, John Rudnick, Jason Bowen, Ramon Buckland, Embark Sue. Studios, Johan Anderson, Jonathan Knapp, Rob Chuk, Jacob Dinar, Paul Naranja, and Chip. You can sponsor the show at patreon.com slash neurostation or via a number of other services listed at neurostation.com. You'll also find show notes there, including links to things I talk about, scripts, code samples, and interview transcripts. Notes for this episode are at neurostation.com slash show underscore notes slash bonus slash underscore 13, because without an underscore, numbers can't be valid module identifiers. Do please recommend the show to others if you like it. You can do that in person, you can do it via your favorite podcast directory, or you can do it in various media online. You can contact me directly at Chris Kreitcher or at Neurostation on Twitter or by sending me an email at hello at Neurostation.com. Until next time, happy coding. Happy coding.